Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. Yes, uh, brother, Mr. Rob, Susan does a wonderful job. Wonderful, uh, absolutely He's really connecting with uh, the children. We want to keep that going. And uh, I also, just before I start today, I want to mention uh, some of the older students, those actually who were seniors in high school. Uh, Parkway Christian School had planned commencement exercises for Friday. We had to make a little change and have the exercises on Thursday, and we did that outdoors. And it turned out to be really beautiful, and because of the change, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there, but I did see some online. I just want to say congratulations to all of the uh, Parkway graduates. I know it's been just a strange year, and we're so glad that we were able to get to the point where we could celebrate your achievement and not just Parkway students, but all of you who are seniors, because I know some uh, also had their commencement exercises this week. Others of you may not have even been able to do that, but you still did a great job. You made an achievement. God bless you and your future. Uh, way to go. What a year. You'll never forget your senior year, that's for sure. And uh, thank you for the uh, intro again from Mr. Rob Susan and those Allen twins. Way to go. They were, yes. What a setup for the word of the day, you know, bread. And uh, we have been studying the past several weeks uh, the I am statements of Jesus. Uh, And in each of those, Jesus made a claim about uh, divinity that, he was equal with God. Actually, he is God. And that's the assertion he was making. He reveals to us and he teaches, as he was those in his original audience, some things about himself when he made these statements, I am. And he was revealing more about himself being the source, the one, the true, the only source for eternal life. And we find these dialogues in the Gospel of John, and they're long, and they're detailed. And I'm grateful for John's Gospel because he gives us such rich uh, detail. And in those dialogues where Jesus is talking, often there's resistance. There's hostile resistance from the leaders of the Jewish faith against Jesus. And we can feel the tension as we go through these uh, dialogues. And uh, as we've heard... And uh, as we saw, my granddaughters, Julie's granddaughters, (laughs) tell us it's about bread this morning. Uh, A little bit of background, a little bit of background. Jesus was becoming uh, well-known for being a miracle worker. He had been uh, healing people in the capital city of Jerusalem and beyond. And his reputation began to precede him. Uh, the miracles and the healings that he did in Jerusalem, they, that angered the leaders of the Jews. And 
They wanted to kill Jesus. And we've talked about that, how they wanted, they tried to stone him. They wanted him dead. So what Jesus did is he went north. He went uh, to the Sea of Galilee, uh, 50, 60 miles or so north up into uh, the city of Capernaum. And he crossed the, the Sea of Galilee. It's a big lake. And lo and behold, crowds followed him across the lake, got in boats or even went around and followed him to a remote mountainside where uh, they sat down, but they were hungry. And Jesus fed them. Jesus fed over 5,000 people miraculously, just with a couple of fish, a few loaves of bread. And that very night, Jesus' disciples left. They got in their boat. They went across the lake. And they left Jesus there. But he caught up with them, walking on the water. He walked, walked on the water, caught up with them. He made it to uh, Capernaum at the same time they did. And uh, the next day, the crowds realized Jesus is gone. They knew he didn't get on the boat. They wondered, where did he go? And they, they had boats, and uh, they made their way back across uh, the Sea of Galilee. They found Jesus in Capernaum. And they, were, they began to ask, how, how did you get here? And Jesus said, you're not looking for me because of the wonderful signs and miracles that I performed. You're looking for me because you ate, because I fed you. And the conversation be, began to uh, go to this context of signs of Jesus and bread, the word bread, because Jesus had turned those few loaves into enough to feed 5,000. And the people said, well, Jesus, what sign are you going to do for us? What sign? Our ancestors ate manna, and that was bread from heaven. And that that little background takes us to John chapter 6. And I want to pick up then the account. This is John chapter 6. And as I said, John is detailed. So this is a little bit lengthy, but I want to take the time to go through it because we need these details. They're rich. The word of God is rich. And uh, this is John 6, 32. going to go all the way through verse 65. So if you have your Bibles, get it out there, follow along. The, uh, the word will also be on the screen. So, As I said, the people said, Jesus, what sign are you going to do for us? Our ancestors ate manna, and that was bread from heaven. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. 
For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down here from heaven? Now I want to stop just for a moment here at verse 41. John wrote at this, the Jews began to grumble. Now the whole crowd was Jews. Jesus' disciples were Jews. Jesus was a Jew. Did John mean all of these people? And likely no. John, in his gospel, he uses the word Pharisees when he points out some of these hypocritical leaders, but he never uses the word scribes and often uses this phrase, the Jews. And it's likely a reference to the leaders, a select group of the Jews, the leaders of the faith who were contentious with Jesus, who didn't like what he was saying. And that seems to be the case here because they start to take Jesus to task. These contentious leaders, uh, Jesus was in the synagogue at Capernaum, and we're going to see that. So they began to grumble, and Jesus said, verse 43, Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Third time he said that. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But there is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Again, he said that. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever eats on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. Now, this is a long account. And what was Jesus doing here? What was his aim to accomplish? He had made a comparison between himself as this bread of life and the manna from heaven. 
Now, manna was a, a, a symbol of a reality. This is what Jesus was pointing out. Manna was a symbol of a reality that's found in Christ. This is the way it is throughout the Gospels and the remainder of the New Testament letters to, the, to, to all the churches. There's something in the Old Testament is identified as representing a reality to come. And the reality is fulfilled in Jesus. And it's interesting that often what's, uh, what's pointed out is something that was used in the, the rites and the ceremonies of the Jewish faith. We talked about light. They lit candles. We uh, are talking about bread here this morning. It points to manna. If we uh, talk about water, where that was John chapter 4, where Jesus talked about being the living water. And water was what they uh, miraculously lived by through a rock in the desert, which was to Christ. And so Jesus uses all of these these. Reality, there are natural, natural uh, elements as symbols for him being a spiritual reality. And manna is the same thing here. Manna was a representation of Jesus. The bread that was given to the Jewish nation as they uh, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, it daily gave them nourishment. But the manna... It represented the reality of the true bread of life by which their souls should be nourished. Jesus had said to the crowds, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father. My father gives this true bread from heaven. The the bread of God is the bread that came down from heaven and gives life to the world. That's Jesus. He's speaking of himself. Now, of course, they weren't really picking that up. They said, give, give us this bread. They weren't really listening. There was this crowd, remember, that just ate the bread that Jesus had multiplied to fill their bellies. They were thinking with their stomachs, thinking they would get something for their stomachs like manna that would last forever. So, so Jesus, his response is, I am the bread of life. And he's saying, I'm this reality that was represented by the manna. Manna sustained the body. Jesus saves the soul. Believe in me, he said, believe, and I will raise you up on the last day. It was Jesus really saying, I'm a loaf of bread? Of course not. Of course not. Yet there were Thousands, perhaps, who had just been fed and who had sought him out. And then there was these leaders of the synagogue. Now, amongst this mixed group, some were taking him literally for what he said. He continued to explain himself. I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, if you believe in me, faith, you will not hunger again. He was speaking figuratively. He's using the natural to make a spiritual point about faith and belief. And he continued to explain. There's a lot of detail there in John's gospel. Believe in the son. 
and you'll have eternal life. He repeated that several times. Verse 40, and, and if there's any confusion on who the Son is, for all of those who say that Jesus never pointed to himself as equal with God, if there's any confusion, Jesus said this plainly, I will raise you up on the last day. Who's got the power to raise the dead? But God, he is the son equal with God, having the power to raise up the dead on the last day. Now, the crowd may have been struggling to understand all of this, but it seems the leaders of the synagogue may have been discerning a little bit about what Jesus meant. They murmured. They grumbled. How can he say he came down from heaven? We know his mom. We know his dad. They understood. Jesus was making this connection. It seems they seems they understood he was connecting himself with God and they grumbled. They disputed it. Now, Jesus turns to these detractors and he presses upon them a very significant truth that eternal life was to be obtained through faith in him alone. That's it. That is Jesus was life in him is life. And therefore, this bread he's speaking about is a spiritual bread. It's the bread of life. And he said, no one's seen the Father except the one who's come from the Father. And who is that? Him, Jesus. He says, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. It's a straightforward, plain connection right there. That's verses 47, 48. The point is faith. Belief, which of course the leaders rejected, they struggled with, they weren't going to do it. And then Jesus points out in a subtle way that these leaders were faithless. Remember when uh, we talked about uh, the light and Jesus uh, saying, You're going to die in your sins. He's saying a similar thing here. He connected these detractors of him with the faithless people of Moses' time who died wandering in the wilderness. Now, what happened back then? Jesus makes this reference back. It's back to manna. They had been talking about manna this time of Moses. So if you're not familiar with the account, Moses led the people out of Egypt. They, this was uh, hundreds, 1,500 years prior, and they had been in bondage, slavery in Egypt, Moses, the great leader of the people, was uh, used by God to free the people from Egypt, lead them out of Egypt. They were to enter a land promised by God. Moses sent 12 spies into the land to scout it out. Ten of the spies came back and said, no way, we can't go in. Those people are too big. They're going to kill us. We'll never make it. We're, we're dead. We're done. We're done. They were defeated already. Two of the spies says, we, we can do it. Caleb and Joshua were their names. And they said, the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. But who did the people listen to? The people of that time listened to the 10 who were fearful and defeated. And they rebelled against Moses and they rebelled against God. They did not believe that God could care for them so much and take them into this land that he had promised. They rebelled against God, faithless. And God said to those people, this whole wicked community, which has been unfaithful, unbelieving, and treated me with contempt and banded together against me, will never enter 
the rest in the land that I promised, all of them over 20 years old, will wander the wilderness for 40 years and meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die, except those who believed, Caleb and Joshua. They were going to enter the promised land. And during those 40 years, as the country wandered, God fed them miraculously with this manna. Every morning it appeared in the ground. They picked it up to eat. God provided it. Now Jesus tied those unbelieving leaders in the synagogue at Capernaum with the unbelievers who wandered the wilderness and died in the wilderness. It was a subtle little poke at them. They ate the man and they died, Jesus said. They were faithless. Your ancestors, he said. He connects them. Now standing before you is the bread of life, eternal life. This is what Jesus is saying to them. Will you believe? Will you believe? I've got the resurrection power. The power to raise you on the last day. The power of eternal life. But you must believe. You must believe I'm that giver of eternal life. I'm the bread of life. Now this bread is my flesh, he said. My flesh I'll give for the world. That's verse 51. Those unbelieving leaders, they refused to accept this point that Jesus was making. This, this point, where, and, and he said, believe in me and have eternal life. So they grumble all the more. They grumble all the more. They are not going to receive this at all. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They turn from the spiritual to the natural. They try to force it that direction. And the whole conversation seems to turn here. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And he repeated again, I'll raise them up on the last day. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Now, those were hard words to understand. They were hard words to take in. And some are repulsed by them. Was Jesus advocating cannibalism? Absolutely not. No, not at all. Again, he is speaking of a spiritual reality. He's saying, you need to take me in. You need to take me in. I need to live in you. Now, we already heard this morning through Mr. Rob Susan that Jesus connected eating bread to living by the word of God. That was his response when he was tempted by the devil after he had fasted for 40 days. And he said, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Where did Jesus get that? Did he just make that up? No, he did not. He was actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 3. And this was the words of Moses just before he was going to die as he was talking to the people, reteaching them God's law just before he'd die and before they would enter the promised land. He was at the end of his life, recounting the history of 40 years in the wilderness. And he said to the people, God humbled you and you were hungry. And he gave you manna, which no one had had before. Neither your ancestors, none of them had known it. And why did he give this to you? He said to teach you that man does not live by bread alone but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And again, that's Deuteronomy 8.3. The manna that fed their stomachs 
was to teach them a spiritual reality, and that is to feed on God's word. Wow, so Jesus isn't teaching them anything new at all here in John chapter 6. Moses had told this to the people 1,500 years ago. You don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of God's mouth. And this is what Jesus is saying, feed on me, on the bread. The bread is my flesh, which I'm going to give for the world on the cross. Let my sacrifice give you life. Your ancestors ate manna and they died, you faithless people. But whoever feeds on this bread, you're going to live forever. And it was not sinking in. Even his disciples started to grumble. It was tough for them to understand. But Jesus continued to explain. And he explained it very clearly. Verse 63, the spirit gives life. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Let me say that again. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are full of spirit and life. Was Jesus talking about cannibalism and eating real uh, natural flesh? No. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Believe in Jesus. Believe in his sacrifice. Receive his sacrifice. He gave his life. He wasn't speaking of literal flesh and drinking literal blood, but receiving him, all of him, by faith, believing. Not like that unbelieving generation that wandered for 40 years and died, and died, even though they were eating the bread that came down from heaven. They had no belief. We must believe and be filled with him, be filled with Jesus to receive eternal life. And have that attitude of heart, that attitude of heart that that we even sang about this morning. Jesus, I just want you, just want you, all of you, nothing else will do. This is really what Jesus is saying. Have all of me, nothing else will do, nothing else. This passage has been confusion when it comes to our communion time. Communion is not about eating flesh and drinking blood. It's about recalling the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us on the cross. This bread is my flesh, which I'll give for the world. Verse 51. Where did Jesus do that? He did it on the cross. He gave his life for us. He died for all. He carried our sins in his own body on the cross. In communion, sitting down at this table we call the Lord's Supper, It's about remembering and discerning that sacrifice. The true bread of life given for us. Not about drinking blood and eating flesh. It's about remembering what he did. And on that last night, Jesus used the bread to represent his body. He said, this is my body when he broke the bread. And what he wants us to do is never take it for granted. Never take his sacrifice for granted. So we're going to sit down at this communion table right now. And I know that you should have all picked up your communion elements on the way in. And our little pre-packaging. And if you're at home, 
and you've picked this up, that's wonderful. And I hope uh, if you've not, you've taken time to prepare something. And I want to remind you, the week before our next communion Sunday, which is the first Sunday of the month, you can come to the church. We always have this uh, available. You can come during office hours and pick this up if you can't be here for service. Let's remind ourselves what Jesus did when he gave his life. The Apostle Paul tells us as we do this, as we take time here at this meal, it's a memorial meal. It's to remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave his life. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The bread, the cup, it represented his body, his his blood. He said, remember, remember, do this and remember. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim what? The Lord's death, his sacrifice. You proclaim his sacrifice until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. In other words, let's not, let's not take this for granted. Let's not uh, think of it as just a rite or a ceremony. Everyone ought to examine themselves. So here's, here's where we get the teaching Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, without recalling his sacrifice, taking his sacrifice for granted, without discerning the body of Christ, they eat and drink judgment on themselves. Jesus didn't die for nothing. He bore our sins on the cross. We're remembering that when we do this this morning. So we're instructed to examine ourselves. Otherwise, we eat and drink judgment on ourselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Beautiful, beautiful grace for us to not come under judgment for taking the Lord's sacrifice lightly. But really taking to heart what he's done. I am the bread of life. Come down from heaven. I'm going to give my life. I have the power of eternal life to raise you in the last day. When you have faith and believe. You have faith and believe. Let's open this up. You've got to click this little, little guy down and just click him a few times if you need to to peel that cellophane and let's prepare. Take a minute is you hold this bread to examine yourself, to look inside. If you've taken that sacrifice for granted, forgot about it, belittled it, thought less of it, it's bread of life, eternal life, given on our behalf on the cross. Take a minute to think about that, the, the severity of Jesus giving his life for the sin of the world, my sin, your sin, everyone's. So let's look in, inside if we've not discerned that rightly and take just a few minutes 
than to judge ourselves. God said you won't be judged. What a great thing. Let's do that. Thank you, God. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to look into our own hearts, to judge ourselves, that we wouldn't be judged by you. We appreciate that, God. We appreciate it. That you've afforded us that opportunity before we receive this bread, that we discern the true bread the one who gave his life, who wants us to take him all in every day, every day, every minute, receive him completely. Oh, and Lord, if we've fallen short in any of that and, and not discern that sacrifice of Jesus as we should, taking it lightly, taking it for granted, forgotten about it, oh, Lord, we're, we're asking your grace and your forgiveness before we receive this bread. And we thank you for that opportunity. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. And now, God, we hold this bread. And we ask your blessing on it. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. It shows us. It reminds us how he gave his life. The tr- true bread gave his life thank you for that God thank you for that sacrifice Jesus you won our salvation died for us thank you we we take it to heart this morning we love you and we're grateful bless this bread unto us as we receive it remembering what you've done in that powerful name Jesus amen let's eat together Now the cup. Whenever you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, as we hold this cup, we do proclaim your death. And we say thank you, thank you giving us eternal life through your sacrifice. This is a cup of blessing, which we bless it blesses us because we know 
we have the assurance of eternal life because of your sacrifice. And we can do nothing to earn it. We can do nothing to earn it. We can only do as Jesus said, believe. Believe. We believe, God. We believe you won for us eternal life at that cross by giving your blood. We're grateful for it, and we receive this cup with grateful hearts. In your name, Jesus, amen. Let's drink together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We bless your holy name. We bless thy name. There's none like you. There's none beside you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, what a great, great grace he's given us. Yes, let's stand and uh, and pray before we leave and receive a blessing. Lord, we are grateful for all that you've done. God, if there's any in this room who've never come to that place in their hearts where they've received the true bread of life, God, if there's any, and any who's here or listening who have not received the true bread of life, maybe they've grumbled. Maybe they've said, I can't accept it. They've gone their own way, God, and they're turning today. God, I pray for those hearts. I pray for those souls. Lord, receive their sincere turning. God, your word said, come to you by faith believing. And if there's any doing that, God, receive them, bless them. Give them eternal life. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. You're wonderful. For all of us here and any Any of you listening, tuning in, raise your hands for the blessing. Father God, bless your people. May you bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon each one and grant them peace. And may the peace of God that passes our understanding keep every heart and mind and soul through our Lord and our Savior, the true bread of life, Jesus. Amen. Amen.